Well, good morning. You doing all right? Isn't it good to know the only good-looking people come to our Savior's Church? I just felt like I had to say that today. I don't know why it is. Pastor Zach said it, and, you know, it's just in the bloodline of our church. Isn't that an incredible story about Pastor Zach? I mean, seriously, he, what he didn't tell you, he's land, he landed in oncoming traffic, jumped up and got into the grass, and then almost blacked out. So it, it, was, it was a pretty big deal. Scared us. But praise God. No broken bones. Just a little road rash, which sometimes I kind of go, man, maybe I'll take the broken bone instead of the road rash. That road rash is bad. So welcome to our Savior's Church this morning. I'm glad you're here. We're going to continue on our series, uh, our new series for the new year entitled New. <laughs> right? You know, we've been talking about, uh, we, we first started about, first week, week one was about uh, just a, a, a new perspective and, and, and getting to know God in a new way and, that, and realizing that He made you new. He just didn't improve you. He made you new. Right? Because sometimes we believe the way, okay, I give my life to Jesus and he's going to make my life better. When the word actually says that when you gave your life to Jesus, you became a brand new creation. Right? The old man, come on somebody, the old man is gone. Dear goodness. Should have been a couple of amens behind. I'm glad the old Jamie is gone. Right? You ought to be glad the old Jamie is gone. But I've been made new. Isn't that good? So that's 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. I've heard, test, I've heard most of your testimonies in here, and some of you were pretty ruthless and toothless back in the day. But thank God you got your teeth and you're not ruthless anymore. Amen? Thank God that he saved you from what you used to be, and he brought you into what he wants you to be. Come on. Isn't that good? I'm not the same man I was yesterday. Are you with me? I'm brand new. He's perfecting me. Got some things to work out, but I'm brand new. You see, the the, the thing we talked about in week two is that we got to start learning to live like we're brand new. That's the biggest difference is that most of us, first, you got to believe that, that Christ has made you new and that you're a new creation. But then the second thing is, and this is where the rubber meets the road, is you got to start living like a new person. That means you make decisions like a new person. Right? That means you don't have to make those old decisions anymore. Okay, if you were addicted to pain meds or, or whatever your addiction may be or whatever is going on in your life, you don't have to go back to that anymore. Remember, there's a lady came in here one time years ago, and she said, Pastor, she grabbed me. I, mean, I was literally walking in here to go preach. And she goes, Pastor, Pastor, please, I need, you need to pray for me. Please, please, please. I'm going, okay, okay, what, what, what's going on? She goes, I, I almost killed myself last night. I'm like, okay. She goes, I've, I've, been, I've been strung out on crack for, for three months, and I almost, I almost committed suicide last night. I said, well, look, you do need to die. And she kind of went, I had to stop her. She was in a stupor. She went, I said, you do need to die and let Christ be Christ in your life. I said, but listen, here's the key. And I had to give her the, the Reader's Digest counseling session. It was kind of like, look, here's the point is I'll catch you after service. But in case you leave and I'm not here, before you call a crack man, call Jesus. Just do that one thing. You don't have to go and smoke that again. Right? Because if you're a new creation, you don't have to make old decisions. Isn't that good? Isn't it good that, that God does that to us? Listen, we got eternity in heaven. Man, that's enough. Praise God. I mean, if I live through H-E double hockey sticks while I'm on this planet, so what? I got eternity in heaven, right? But he goes beyond that and he says, I'm going to make you brand new. 
I'm going to change your mind a little bit. You're going to get some new thinking. You're going to get a new attitude. You don't have to go back to your old ways. Man, you know what that says to me? That God's just, he's greater than I could ever imagine. The more I realize that he loves me and how much he loves me, I haven't got to the end yet. Every time I think I know how much God loves me, he surprises me and he does something else. Right? So, man, we've been talking about new. You've been hearing new for for this and that. And today I want to talk to you about new finances. How many of you want some new finances? Raise your hand. Come on. Just some new finances. How many of you say, you, you, you almost say, man, if I could just wipe out all my debt. Huh? Man, just get rid of all my debt. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be good if I looked at my checking account in the morning and she gone. Debt's gone. Right? I, I, shared, I shared a testimony. I have a cousin who uh, he, he had some, carrying a little bit of debt. He wasn't too bad. And he... He, he just decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to focus on my debt. I want to be a good steward. I want to honor God with my finances. And honestly, I just want to be financially free. So he just got married, and, and he had a rough past and all that. And he, so he comes back around. He starts, he starts lining his finances up. He gets, he gets diligent. He, he lays them out on a paper. He says, okay, Lord, help me with this. And trust me, he needed help. He wasn't a math guy. And then he said, Lord, help me with this. And he lined his finances up, and he started, boom, knocking out debt. Boom, 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 knocking out debt. And he had this debt, I think it was about $26,000, that he owed this certain company who he was working for. And they called him up, and they said, hey, you remember what you owed us? He's like, yeah, look, you know, I'm working on that, I'm going to try to get to that. They go, hey, time out. Just forget about it. We 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 just cleared that off of our books. Can I tell you, part of me got jealous? <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, all right, Lord, if you can do that for him. <laughs> I almost want to say, okay, God, if you're that big, let's see if you're this big. <laughs> you got rid of his, can you get rid of mine? <laughs> I just, flesh, you know, hey. Nothing wrong with asking, right? So today we're going to talk about finances. And listen to me, during praise and worship, God just told me some, some chains are going to be broken off some folk today. Amen. We're going to talk about the spirit of mammon this morning. If you don't know what the spirit of mammon is, it's basically the spirit of money. It's the spirit of mammon is when money controls you and you don't control your money. Things found in mammon are, are materialism, addictions to buying things. Identity crisis where you feel like you got to keep up with the Joneses. Who's the Joneses anyway? I never met the Joneses. Everybody talks about them, but I never met them. But that's all found in the spirit of mammon. And actually, our, 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 it seems like our nation is under the spirit of mammon right now. Everything has to do with what? The dollar. How many trillions of dollars are we in debt now as a nation? It's just, isn't it crazy? You don't have to tell me. I don't even want to know. Go with me to Luke chapter 16. Let's watch this verse. It says this, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon or unrighteous money. You need to go make some friends with your unrighteous money is what he's saying. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. 
And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Underline that word, those words, true riches. You need to underline it, circle it, put some eyebrows over the top of it. True riches, because we're going to come back to that. If you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No, serve, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or mammon. Right? And then listen, that, that's good to say amen to. I, I'm, I'm like, yes, amen. I, and I claim that for my life. I'm like, Lord, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna serve money, but can I tell you something? I've been guilty of serving money. I stand before you today, a guilty man of serving the God of mammon. Are you hearing me? There's been times when I've served God and not mammon. And there's times when I've served mammon and not God. You see, the truth is, is you can't serve both of them. And you can't live in the neutral zone because there is none. You're either serving God or you're not. Right? That's what the Bible says. If you can't be faithful with the little bitty thing God gave you, then how in the world can you expect him to give you some more? If you can't act right with what you got, how's he going to trust you with more? Come on. If you can't take care of the $30,000 you're making a year, how in the world can you sit here and get mad at God because he ain't gave you 40? Come on. The first way you take care of it is you sow the first seed of it into the kingdom. And you know what that does? That blesses the rest. I'm just telling you, some of you folk today got an issue with tithing. (laughs) You got an issue with tithing. You don't tithe 10% and you don't tithe the first fruits of all your increase. And because of that, you're living under a spirit of mammon. And you're struggling and you're fighting. And you know what happens when you live under mammon and you come to church, but you're not obedient to God. You hear that God can do all these great things for you, but you don't trust him enough to obey him. And then what happens? You turn around and you get mad at God. When the whole time he says, if you'll just do what I say, I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you more than you can contain. He said, it's not what I got. It's what you got. I got more than you can contain, but I'm not going to pour it until you obey. You say, Pastor, that's kind of strong, man. You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's almost offensive. Good. Thank God for the day I was offended in finances. Because let me tell you something. My finances aren't under the spirit of mammon. My wife and I have been tithing faithfully since my daughter was born. 14 years now, 14 years, first fruits, at least 10%. Don't miss a week. Don't miss nothing. Are you hearing me? Well, that's good, Pastor. I'm glad you can do that. We couldn't always do that. We made a decision one day to trust God. We had more bills than we had money. 
And my wife looked at me and we agreed that she needed to quit working, cut our income in half. And she said, we just ain't going to make it on paper, baby. I said, baby, we're going to make it. Well, how are we going to make it? I said, we're going to trust God. Well, how are we going? We're going to trust God by giving our first fruits, our full 10% every week. I, and I told her this. She's a witness. I said, the first check you write is the one to God. See, I'm an extremist. I believe in the, the first ink for that week or that month. It's God's ink. <laughs> you with me? Pray for me. I'm a little, bit, a little bit of an extremist. But in 14 years, I've never missed a bill, a meal. Or a deal. Right? I'm not fat, I'm healthy. That's what they tell us. They used to say back in the day. I mean, I was born over 10 pounds. I had a head start on all of you. That's back when the doctors used to get mad at you for having big babies. The doctor was embarrassed when I came out. Oh, well, he ain't embarrassed anymore. But God's word says, how can you expect me to give you more if you're not taking care of what I'm giving you? How do you expect me to honor you when you're not honoring me? Right? There's a guy who wrote a book called, uh, called The Day America Told the Truth. And they did a survey. And in this book, they asked the question, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? So they surveyed a group of people and said, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? Watch this. It's going to blow your mind. 25% of the people they interviewed or surveyed said that they would abandon their entire family for $10 million. Just remember, she's going to get half anyway. Just joking. 23% said that they would become a prostitute for a week or more for $10 million. 16% said that they would give up their American citizenship for $10 million. 10% said that they would withhold testimony leading or letting a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% said that they would kill a stranger for $10 million. 3% said that they would, they would put their children up for adoption. And some of you said, yeah, I might would do that right now too. <laughs> but 3% said that they would actually give their children up for adoption for $10 million. But can I tell you, that's the world we live in today. They got some folk doing some crazy stuff. Leaving babies in garbage dumpsters. Man, what world are we living in? And what's our role in this world? It's the condition we're in. Our country's living under a spirit of mammon. And if church folk ain't careful, I'm going to say it Southern style, if church folk ain't careful, they're going to fall under it too. Chains are going to be broken today. Mammon's out the house. He's not going to stay here because listen to me, I'm, I love you enough to keep talking about money until mammon's broken. And you can say all them preachers, all they want to do is talk about money. Yep, that's all we want to do is talk about money because God wants to get you past the issue of money so that he can get you onto the issue of people. 
You see, when you underline true riches and you circled it and you put an eyebrow above it, true riches are people. God wants you to get past the issue of your, your little 10% so that he can trust you with some people. Because if you can't trust him with 10% of your finances, how's he ever going to trust you to reach and touch somebody else's life? That's true riches. You really want to be rich? You need to be rich in people that you're getting into the kingdom. People that you're helping. People that you're serving. People that you're reaching to build God's kingdom. True riches is when you start evacuating hell and bring people into heaven. When you get out there and you start preaching the gospel, you start sharing the love, and you're living it at the same time, and you freed up in your finances to do whatever you need to do. That's true riches. Amen? That's true riches. So what does Mammon say to us? Mammon offers us three promises. The first promise is security. Mammon wants to tell you if you got plenty of money, you got plenty of security. Well, we know in 2009, a lot of people were proven wrong with that. Right? And listen, that can happen any day. If your security is found in the amount of money you got, you're living a shallow life. And you're actually living life on the edge. Are you with me? Commercials. <laughs> you watch TV? You want to be secure? Call Charles Schwab. Is that it? Charles Schwab? Is it Schwab? Schwab, Bob. So. Call Chuck. He'll make you safe and secure. <laughs> Give Chuck your money and you'll have a future. <laughs> be greedy and steal from as many people as you can because you got to get yours. That's what the world says today. You got to get yours. I got to get mine. You know how many people you work with and they got that attitude. Oh, I better get mine. I'm going to take me a a 20 minute break instead of a 15 minute break. I'm going to get mine. Like you ain't getting nothing. Except a trip to the unemployment line. And you definitely ain't getting blessed with an attitude like that. Right. But we got this. I got to get mine kind of attitude. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says that whoever trusts in his riches will fall. But the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Come on. What's more important, your riches or your righteousness? I, I didn't hear you. OK. All right. Let's, I was like, is this not clear? I need to back up. And you got to change your perspective. And I just want to make this little disclaimer. There's nothing wrong with being rich in finances. Are you hearing me? Not a thing wrong with it. As long as you got your money and your money ain't got you. I'm going to say that again. As long as your money's not running you and you're running your money. Come on. Because if you understand money, you understand that money is a tool. In my toolbox is a bunch of different tools. I got a crescent wrench. I got some monkey pliers. I got some screwdrivers, some socket sets, some some open-end wrenches. I wish I had a couple of those new ratchet wrenches. Would have came in handy the other day. But I got all kind of different tools in my toolbox to do whatever Jamie wants to do, right? So I go to the toolbox when I need a tool, and I grab that tool, and I go work with it, right? Money is a tool to build God's kingdom, It's just one tool in a toolbox of many tools. 
In that box is also found your time, your talent, your abilities. Are you with me? Those are your other tools. But money, if you understand money and you use it properly, it is a tool to build God's kingdom. Well, what do you mean it's a tool to build God's kingdom? It means I got to keep giving my money to the church. Yeah, that's one way. So that the church can still continue to be the hope of the world, the local church. But the other way is that you get freed up in your, in your finances and you're able to do whatever the master wants you to do. You've heard me share the story about being uh, my buddy that was shopping with his wife and, and they were in the ladies department. And he's trying to be in the good section, not in the undergarment section. And he's, you know, he's kind of just, you got to guard yourself. I mean, I don't know why women want us to go there, but they do. And, and we just, they don't realize what an attack it is, you know, not only on your manhood, but your righteousness. And so you're sitting there and you're kind of like, oh God, come on, please hurry, get me out of here. Hope my friends don't see me, you know. And then my, my buddy's in there, and he's kind of in his misery, and he's going, oh, man. And the Lord spoke to him and said, go give that woman at the register $20. But, but I got to He said, yeah, you got 20 in your wallet. <laughs> he jumps up. He takes the 20 out of his wallet. He goes up to the register. Says, oh, excuse me, ma'am. He says, I, I, don't, I don't normally do this, but, but um, I, I was just sitting over there embarrassed. And, and, and the Lord said to come give you 20 Here's $20. And the woman broke. She started crying. Over $20. I can waste $20 at Taco Bell. (laughs) Seriously, $20 don't last no more. You break it, it's gone. A $20 bill, it's a tool. It's a tool that God sometimes uses. But if your money's all tied up in your possessions, how are you going to use your tools? You're trying to fix an engine and ain't got nothing but a screwdriver. Somebody understood that. So Hebrews 13, 5 to 6 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Man, isn't that a good verse? Live free from the love of money. Don't let it possess you. You tell it what to do. Instead of it saying goodbye, you tell it to hold up. Right? We got to get control of that because Mammon says that to have security, you got to have money. The only way to be secure is to have money. So that's the opposite of what the Bible says. The Bible says that your security and your confidence is found where? In Christ, in Christ alone. Are you content? Pastor Zach told me about a preacher one time who him and his wife sat down and they, they had the potential to make a, a pretty decent income, a pretty big church. And, and they said, you know what, let's let's do the right thing here. Let's set what is what is our what can we live on? How much money do we need to live on? And then they figured up that number and they had enough. I mean, they were wise about it. They had enough money to to help their kids, enough money to take care of all their insurance, everything. All the the basics were covered. They were good and healthy. And they said, "Okay, this is our number. And they said, "Okay, Lord, this is all we need. Whatever else you give us from here, 
we're going to sow it back into your kingdom. Wow. That's revolutionary thinking. When's the last time he said, well, you know, I really only need. Yeah, I could make it on that. And then, you know what, God, I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. But if you want to give me some more, I'll tell you what, I, I'm going I'm to keep this right here. This is good for me. You make sure I get this. Anything you give me above that, I'm going to take care of you. Buddy, that's how you get a window open. That's how you get the floodgates open. Why? Because you're content. You're humble. Lord, I'm good. I'm good, Lord. And whatever you get above that, you go, man, this, oh, this, is, this is seed. God's just pouring out seed on me. I'm going to go start throwing some seed. You know, you don't get nothing if you don't plant nothing, right? Actually, you do. You get weeds, right? You get plenty of weeds and they grow fast, don't they? But some of us just need to, need to position ourselves financially where God can just give us a little bit more and we can just start casting some seed. And you know what happens? You start becoming responsible for the true riches in the kingdom. Amen. So Mammon says that you, you need money to be secure. Number two, it says that you need money to have an identity. Isn't it funny that we buy stuff with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like? I'll say that again. Isn't it funny that we, we buy things with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like? Can I tell you, I'm, I got tired of being on that road. Seriously, I just, oh, I got sick of that, man. It's like, I'm trying to keep up and I just, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to keep up with them Joneses. You know, I mean, every new pair of sunglasses comes out, they're, they're like $200 now. And you got, if I want the cool glasses, I got to spend $200. I'm like, ah. You know, everybody starts wearing square toe cowboy boots. I'm like, man, those look good. I need me a pair of square toe cowboy boots. Thinking they were just as cheap as the round toe cowboy boots. But when you go to the store, they're $100 more. It costs to keep up with people. Right? Why? Because I was worried about my identity. I want to be cool. I want to fit in. I like the way that looks. Come on, ladies. Don't laugh too hard, men. More you got more shotguns and rifles than you ever need. You ready for a war. Ain't nobody even coming on your yard. But Mammon says that you got to have all these things to keep your identity right. You got to impress people when the whole time God doesn't want you to impress people. He wants you to impress him. And here's a clue. He's already impressed. He's so impressed, he sent his son to die on the cross for you. He made his mind up about you before you even had that little bit of money you think's a lot. Luke chapter 12 says, then he said, beware, don't be greedy for, for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. Man, isn't that good? Y'all know Jim Carrey, right? The funny guy, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey actually made the statement one day. Listen to what Jim Carrey said. I wish everyone could be rich and famous. And realize that it doesn't solve any problems at all. Wow. <laughs> Psalms 139, 13 to 14 says that you were created 
for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. The question is, is do you know that full well? Do you know full well that God meticulously handcrafted you? You're the finest of the finest. Do you know that full well? Because let me tell you something. When you know that full well, you don't care what people think about you. It don't matter if people look at you and your car is making a noise. Right? My wife started driving my truck to school about a month ago because of the power steering pump was going out on the van and I didn't have time to fix it. And, and so when you start it up and it's 50 degrees and less, it screams. She didn't want to go drop the kids off at the school line. And my kids didn't want to ride in the van neither. Are you with me? So they took my truck until I fixed it. It's fixed. Praise God. Number three, mammon also tells you that, that you, you, need to, you need money for happiness. Money will make you happy. How many of you know that's not the truth? Amen. Listen, I started, when I started my company, I thought, you know what? Things are going to get better now. We're going to make a little more money and things are going to get better. Can I tell you, I went on a nine-year sprint. <laughs> and it never got better. Not because of the money. Are you with me? I chase that dollar as hard as I could chase it. I never caught up. It was never good enough. You know what I'm learning today? I'm learning to be content. I'm learning to be content. Everything I have is for sale except my children and my, and my wife. You need a dog? I'll sell you a dog. Got two of them. Nothing means what it used to mean anymore. You with me? Now, don't get me wrong. I want to take care of what I got. I want to be a good steward of what God's given me. I'm not, I don't have this wasteful attitude now. Where, oh, that's just a truck. It's going to rust anyway. I ain't cleaning it. I'm not. It's not like that. I realized, you know what? He gave me that truck. I need to do my part and take care of that thing to the best that I can. So I don't drive it all crazy. Right? I take care of it. You know why? Because happiness, I realize now that happiness is not going to buy a new truck. That's depression. When you get past the first month and you start seeing those notes and you realize that as soon as you pull off the parking lot, the price, the, the value is done drop. You go, that's not happiness. That's depression. You want, you like the new car smell? Go buy the, the incense at Walmart and stick it in your old car. Amen. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says that those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. So where does happiness come from? Romans 4 says it. It says, happy are they whose sins are forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty. Come on. Happiness is found when you got a clear conscience and you can sleep all night. Right? And you know, you're not, you're not tossing and turning because you know you really che- cheated somebody or gypped somebody the night before or the day before, right? But you lay your head on that bed, no matter what the bills are. You lay your head on that bed with a clear conscience and you just snore away, right? That's happy. 
I think of that word, I think of happy, happy, happy. I think of Phil Robertson, right? You know, but, I, but it, the funny thing is you look at Phil Robertson, and he's, he's got more money than all us put together, probably. But he's happy, happy, happy. Brother lives in a double-wide trailer. Come on. Drives old broke-down truck. Happy, happy, happy. It's not found in your wealth. It's not found in your things. It's found in Christ and having a clear conscience and knowing that he set you free from sin. Right? And that you're free. You're not bound by sin. You're not bound by money anymore. Come on. That's true happiness. In the church world, you see two extremes a lot of times. And it's sad to say this, but a lot of times you hear preachers talk about prosperity. And I just want to make this little disclaimer. There's nothing wrong with prosperity unless it's preached wrong. You with me? Uh, we've all heard of the name it, claim it, frame it movement, right? I mean, you name it, claim it, frame it on your wall, and God's going to send it. But the, the part they forget is that when it, God doesn't send it, he ends up getting blamed for it. Right? And so you got that whole movement where people teach you you need to have all this hyper faith, and you need to believe God for all these toys and all these things. You need five Rolls Royces. I don't even want a Rolls Royce. I probably don't fit. But in the church world, you see, a lot of times you see people that lean on the side of prosperity. And then you see people that lean on the other side of poverty. And they got this little poverty spirit on them. They're like, oh, the Lord doesn't want me to have anything. Low is me. I've got to suffer for the Lord. Come on, I know people like that. And they look at you when you got something. They're talking behind your back about you. Oh, look, they got that new car. They live in that prosperity thing. No, God gave me a new car. Right? It's sad to say, but sometimes that's what we see in the churches. But let me tell you something. There's a world in between there. Come on. There's a balance in there. God wants you to be content. He wants you to be humble with what you have. He wants you to be a good steward of what you have. There's nothing wrong with believing him for something else. I've never corrected somebody for believing God for something greater. You want to ask God for a Rolls Royce, if that's your thing, then man, ask him for a Rolls Royce. He can't tow nothing with it, though. Can't hook a trailer to it. I don't know why you'd want it. But if that's what you want, go ahead. But just know that he might not give that to you. You might get it when you get there. Right? But we need to be asking for the true riches. People. God, trust me with people. And that only happens when you get past the spirit of mammon. Watch what First Timothy says. People who want to be, who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. And I just, I've lived that. That is true. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The love of money is actually the spirit of mammon. Good believers, good Christian folk have wandered from the faith chasing money. Good godly businessmen that knew that God gave them the ability to make money to build the kingdom started chasing the money and chasing the money so hard that it pulled them away from the kingdom. Are you hearing me? Some of you in here, God has given you the ability to earn money. You just got this thing on you. Everywhere you go, people want to pay you. 
Anybody want that? We'll pray for you this morning. Matt and G, that's the only two. All right. The rest of you, uh, anyway. But some, some, some of you have that ability. And let me say this to you. Use it to the fullest, but don't lose it. Always remember your number one priority in life is your relationship with God. Your number two is your marriage. It's your wife or your, or your husband. And number three is your children. Number four is your ministry. Don't ever get those out of line. Even though God's given you the ability to make money to build the kingdom. Right? You work hard in making the money. You do what you're supposed to do. You be a good steward at your job. You, and God will bless it. But you don't lose your priority. Right? So let me give you four things. And we am going to try to wrap this up here in a little while. At least another hour. Four questions for you. How do you get God's spirit on your money? How do you, how do, you do that? How do you get your money free from the spirit of mammon and you get God's blessing on your money? How do you do that? I'm glad you're asking this question. You know, you're not just listening to me preach. You're asking a good question. Number one is, you got to ask yourself is, am I returning the first? Am I returning the first? This is for everybody in here. Listen, everybody in here, you need to ask yourself this question. I don't care if you're getting an SSI check. It don't matter. Whatever you're getting in, you need to ask yourself this question. Am I returning the first? There's something significant about the first. Right? Something important about the first. Because if you read your Bible, God's constantly talking about the first. They say, okay, well, the first, all right, so I give him my first. You give him your first and your best. Are you with me? You know, sugarcane farmers, before harvest actually starts, they go in and they survey their fields and they find the best grains or the best types of sugarcane that they're growing. And they cut it down first. You know why? So that they can use that to replant. Why? Because they want to produce a better strand of sugarcane. So they go in and they cut the best instead of trying to sell the best. They cut the best, put it to the side or plant it in a field immediately. However, they do that and they put it back in the ground. God says, I want you to give me your first and your best. I want you to give it to me first. Why? Because you need to sow it in the right place. You need to take your first and you need to put it in the ground. That's giving it. That's that's tithing 10 percent. That's giving offerings anything above 10 percent. That's, that's walking around with a little jingle jangle in your pocket saying, Lord, who do you want me to bless today? And you may be at the grocery store and a little lady in front of you has to put something aside because she doesn't have enough money. And you go, hey, baby, I got that. One day God told me, God was, we was five o'clock in the morning. We're at the truck stop. I'm getting coffee. He pulled, he walks up behind me and I didn't know if he was broke or not, but the guy had just a cup of coffee and God said, pay for his coffee. I said, hey, I got that for you, man. Come on. He said, it's five o'clock in the morning. He didn't have his coffee yet. He said, so no, seriously, God told me to pay for that. Whatever it is, you sow your first, amen? Because you know why the first, you know what the first says to God? You got to get this. The first says to God, I trust you. <laughs> the first says that, you know what? I trust you so much that I'm going to give you my first. Even before I look at the rest of it. I'm going to give it to you first because I know. And this, listen, this is where Pastor Jamie's at today. Pastor Jamie knows. I give him my first. You know, this is the only place in the Bible that God actually says to test him. 
He says, try me in this. Try me. I mean, it's almost like God said, I double dog dare you (laughs) to tithe your first first. You up for it? I double dog dare you. Will you trust me? Because when you don't, come on somebody, when you don't and you hold on to it, you go, mine, mine, but it's, it's mine. You get reminded how childlike you really are. Mine, my toy, my money. Come on, that's how we act sometimes. If that's you today, listen, I'm not mad at you. My heart's really broken for you. Because you're living in bondage. You're living under the spirit of mammon. You never have enough. You can't be content. You want to be content, but you can't. Some reason you just can't be content. You can't find peace. You can't find happiness or joy. Whatever it is you're looking for, you can't find it because you're under this bondage of not trusting God. And what you don't realize, and this is what breaks my heart, is that you don't realize that if I'll just, if I'll just take this little bit and give it to him first, then these chains fall off. These chains of discord, these chains of I never got enough, these chains of I'm living a broken life, I'm frustrated, I never make ends meet, there's no peace, I can't get enough. They fall off. You don't have to come to the front and I don't have to slap you on the forehead and knock you over backwards to get the spirit of mammon off of you. You just need to go home and look at your checkbook and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've dishonored you with my finances. I'm sorry. Forgive me, please. And then, first, and you just make it a habit, first, first, anything that comes into my hands, first. People ask me all the time, well, Pastor, do we, do we tithe on the gross or on the net? And my question is, is, are you really struggling that hard that you got to ask that question? Do I tithe on the gross or the net? Is it really that big of a deal for you? Are you really having that much of a trust issue with God? If you want an answer, I'll tell you what my pastor tells me. Do you want a gross return or do you want a net return? <laughs> Plain and simple. I want gross. Right? But man, we got to get free from this thing. You got to return it back to him first. Remember, you're returning. You're returning back to God. It's not yours in the first place. Who meticulously created you to do what you do? God did. Who put that little thing inside of you that gives you the right to go earn money? God did. For some of you, it may be a strong back and a weak mind. For others of you, it may be a weak back and a strong mind. But God gave that to you to go and earn money. Listen, he could take it away at any time. So if you're so prideful to think that, you know, I'm doing this on my own, it's all about me. 
It's my ability to teach. It's my ability to do this or do that. Is that making sense? And I just want you free. Listen, I don't want your money. I want you free. I don't need your money. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled with filled. The version I memorized says that your barns will be filled with plenty. This one says your barns will be will be filled to overflowing. Isn't that good? And your vats will brim over with new wine. How do you get that? How do you get that place where you come into the the overflowing of God and your vats are are filled with new wine? How do you get to that place? By giving your first fruits, by honoring God with the first fruits. Are you with me? You got that first? Say first. Deuteronomy 14 says, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your, your fields produce each year so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. When you give first to God, it breaks that spirit of mammon on you. That's why we tithe weekly, because I weekly need that spirit broken off of me, because weekly I want to take it back up. You with me? That breaks it off of you. So you go and you go, okay, that breaks materialism. Come on, somebody. I know people that have to buy stuff just to make themselves feel better. Until the newness wears off, then they got to go buy something else to make themselves feel better again. You're just trying to fill an empty void that nothing else can fill but God. Number two. Second question you need to ask yourself is, am I stewarding the rest? Are you taking care of what God's given you? You may not like your job today. If that's you, hey, that's fine. I know there was times I didn't like my job. Some days I don't like this job. It doesn't matter if you like the job. Are you stewarding it well? I remember being a young man working in construction and I had worked for all these ruthless, toothless guys. And man, they gave me a hard time because they knew I was a Christian and they, they tried to put me through the fire and they tested me. And I remember going, God, man, give me a new job. Give me something better, Lord. Come on. These people ain't no good. Help me. But there was issues in my life. I was, I was cheating on the time clock. I was cutting corners here. I wasn't giving my best. And God said, yeah, I ain't giving you nothing until you take care of what you got. Right? So what did I do? I started learning how to steward what I was given. Come on. I would go to work with a different type of attitude. Knowing that I was working for the Lord and not for my boss. So I had, to, I had to put those blinders on. I'm working for the Lord, not for you, sapsucker. I'm working for the Lord. And you better be thankful. I'm working for the Lord. Right? Because sometimes that's how it gets. And so my attitude changed and something shifted. And I started working hard. And I would go to work anticipating what the next move was going to be. Trying to find out what I can do better. Hey, can I do this better? Can I do that better? I remember being an, an operator. I was a crane operator in the plants. And I'm sitting on the crane one day and I had this, this thing. I just wanted to be better. I'm tired of sitting on the crane because they can only make $18 an hour. That's max pay. The supervisors are making 20 plus. In the middle of the day, I just I, I sit there and I'm going... Man, forget this. I jumped off the machine. I climbed up to the top of the thing that my crane was holding. Not a wise move. When the operator's up at the top with you, it's not a good thing. I climb up there and he goes, what you doing up here? And I'm like, man, I don't want to be an operator no more. I want your job. So put somebody else on the machine. And he looked at me all crazy. 
And I started back over from the bottom. And I started working myself up. And then one day they gave me a company truck. I was so I was so goofy with my finances that me and Cheryl got in a pinch and I had to sell one of my vehicles. So I was riding my bicycle to work about a mile. I'm riding my bicycle on Mondays. I had dirty uniforms hanging on both sides in garbage bags, you know, riding my bicycle. And then Monday afternoons, I'm riding back with the new ones laying over the handlebars and riding my bicycle. Did that for six months. I learned a lesson. But in the midst of me riding my bicycle back and forth to work, they wanted to make me a supervisor. So I'm rolling up one morning at five o'clock on my bicycle and the, and the, the, the CEO of the company goes, is that our new supervisor? <laughs> hey, boss. <laughs> and they, they wouldn't give me a company truck till God was finished with me. And I was begging. I was like, Lord, give me a company truck. You know, I could use a company truck. You ain't learned your lesson yet. You need to pedal a little bit more. And then they gave me a company truck. And you know what I did with that company truck? I made it better than when I got it. They gave it to me and I went home and I detailed it. I kept it clean. I didn't dog it out. I didn't run it like those other guys do. I didn't use it on my own personal time. I took care of it. I was a good steward. You know why? Because I was working for God and not for the boss man. Are you with me? I wanted to be a good steward because I wanted to move up. I wanted God to bless me. I didn't want to be cursed anymore. Is this making sense? Because listen to me. God knows what you're doing. He knows the condition of your heart. He knows your attitude. You need to be a good steward of what he's given you. If your house is breaking down, then you need to put some money into that thing and take care of it. Well, pastor, how am I supposed to do that? You pray and ask God to send it. Come on. Be a good steward. If he can't trust you with the little things, how can you expect him to trust you with more? Luke 16 says that. It says, whoever can be trusted with the very little can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with very little also will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if, if, and, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You know, God took me one day from riding the boss man's truck to having my own company and my own truck. It was a process. It took time. God tested me. He wanted to see my faithfulness. He wanted to see if I was going to continue to be a steward. And you know what? I thought it was great the day I quit my job and started my own company. I said, Hoo-hoo! I'm the man. Shoot. Let me tell you something. Many a days I wanted to go back and work for the man. Didn't know what I was getting into. So number one, he wants you, you need to ask yourself a question. Am I returning the first? Number two, am I stewarding the best? And number three, am I focusing on the true riches? Listen to me. This is where it's going to happen right here. Are you focusing on the true riches? Remember, we talked about true riches are people. Look at me. True riches are people. And today's a lesson or our, our message or sermon on new finances. But let me tell you that the heart behind new finances is people. People. It's about people. True riches is people. You will be held accountable one day. You will stand before Jesus and you will give account for how many people you reached or didn't reach. Listen to me carefully. 
You got to put this money thing to the side. You just need to trust God. Shut your mouth. Trust God. Throw your fear to the side and just trust God with your finances so that you can go from whining over 10 percent to actually building his kingdom with people. Are you hearing me? It's about people. It's about people. He's not going to trust you with people if you're not taking care of your finances. Listen to me. Life's bigger than your tithe. Your job is more important than your money. Hear me out. Are you content with what what you have? Are you telling your money what to do and your money not telling you what to do? Are you tithing, giving the first fruits every week, every month, however you choose to do it? But are you not missing at the end of the year? Are you checking the balance and and balancing it out and saying, okay, God, me and your account financially, it's good. Because, Lord, I don't want you to take people from me. I don't want to lose this this opportunity to reach reach people because that's, that's where the true riches are. That's where the true adrenaline in Christianity is. That's where the true high is, is when you see somebody who's broken, beat down and bound up. And you're able to, God uses you, little old you, to go in and just speak a little word of encouragement that sets them free. Let me tell you something. Drugs aren't that good. They aren't that good. It's about people. We're going to give account for people. It's the true riches to God. That's why God sent his first son, his only son, to down the cross to reach people. It's about people. A little awkward silence. You ever heard that I'm going to let you stew? Because some of you need to make a decision today. You need to, you need to decide what God you're going to serve. Are you going to go back to mammon? To that familiar place of struggling? Of materialism where you go buy this and buy that and it kind of helps feel your, makes your conscience feel a little bit better. And you, you sit on your new lawn furniture and you think, oh God, it's so good. And you're not even serving him. Or are you going to turn the corner today and you're going to say, you know what God, here's my money. I'll put it here. It's yours. I'm trusting you with everything. You're going to put all your cards on the table today and you're going to say, God, here it is. I want some new finances. I want to be free from having to work so hard. I want to be free from having to worry all the time about how my bills are going to be paid. I want to be free from the stress of trying to keep up with the Joneses. I want to be free, Lord. Somebody's here today and they're asking God in their spirit right now to be free. And I'm just telling you, he's here to set you free. I'm free. I stand before you with confidence that they're not bragging by any means. I'm free because he set me free. I didn't set myself free. I'm free. And I just want you to be free.
I just want you to be free. And we end with this verse right here in Matthew chapter 6. 19 to 21, it says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, you can flip that around. You can say where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Or where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Pastor Zach said this morning, you can tell a lot about somebody spiritually by looking at their checkbook. And, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Sometimes I got to look at my own checkbook and say, am I honoring God or not? My security is in Christ. The world tells me every day it hadn't quit telling me just because I made that decision to trust God with my finances and to be a good steward of my finances doesn't mean that the enemy goes away. It actually means he gets a little more aggressive and materialism ramps up a little bit. And that whole spirit of mammon ramps up a little bit. And those those opportunities to worry ramp up a little bit. But the question is, is are you going to keep trusting no matter what it looks like? You remember when Peter walked on the water? Everything was fine until what? Till the waves started crashing. Right? When the waves started hitting him at the knees, he started freaking out. And what happened? He sunk. Well, anytime you step out with God and you trust him with something, let me tell you something. There's waves coming. There's waves coming to test your trust, to test your decision. Are you hearing me? It's going to be tested. My encouragement is just to hang on. Keep your eyes in the right place. Stay focused on what you're supposed to stay focused on. Stay free. Don't go back to the chains. God loves it when you return the first and you steward the rest and you focus on true riches. Just like my cousin I told you about earlier who made a decision to honor God with his finances. He made a decision and he went after it. God, I'm going to honor you with my finances. I want to get rid of this debt. I want to be free. When he did that, let me tell you something. The power of God and the spirit of God came alongside of him and just rode his, cur- his shirt tail and just, I mean, knocked doors open here. Knocked doors open there. Why? Because he set his heart to do the right thing. He had this massive mountain in front of you. You remember the verse that says, with the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Sometimes that's not literally a, 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 a geological mountain. It's a mountain in your life. It's that thing that that you can't see past. That thing that's so big. It may be a relationship. It may be your marriage. It may be a child. It may be finances. Whatever it is, it's a mountain. And the word is true. With faith of a mustard seed, you say to that mountain, be moved and it's going to move. You know what that looks like? And when you say today, Lord, I don't want mammon on my money anymore. I don't want to be bound up by this anymore. I don't want money to control my life. I want you to control my life. And I want to have the true riches. I want to have people. Lord, when I get to heaven, I want to hear somebody say, hey, you're here because of them. 
I want somebody, I want to see a scoreboard or something that says, you know what, Jamie got, Jamie got 50 people to heaven. That's true riches. That's my checking account in heaven is how many people I got to heaven. How many people did I love? How many people did I serve with my money? How many people did I preach the gospel to? How many people were influenced by my life? Because people are watching you. As soon as you put Christian on your shirt, they watch you. That's true riches. And that's what I want. It's going to be tested. If you're here today and God gives you the ability to make a lot of money, make a lot of money. But don't lose your relationship with God, your wife, or your children in the process. If that's not you today and you're just a hardworking person that makes an honest living. But let me tell you something. You may not have the ability to earn money, but you got the ability to serve in the church. You got the ability to serve your community. Then you need to work just as hard at that. You pay your tithe. You pay your 10%. You go above and beyond that because just because you love God and you just work hard in the kingdom. If that's you, then do it. Not all of us have the ability to make that kind of money. So what? Take what you got. Take your little, your little two talents and invest them and work them. Amen? And see what God does. Would you stand up with me this morning? I'll just make it real simple this morning. I want to give you a practical little step. You say, Pastor, okay, that sounds great. And I want to trust God, but what do I do now? What, what's next? What's my next step? This is your next step. If you're not tithing faithfully, start tithing faithfully. Tithe is 10% of your income. Don't get wrapped up in the issue of gross versus net and all that other stuff. Tithe, 10%. You start there today. That's where you start. For some of you, it may, you may be in a place where you go, you know what, God, I'm, I'm tithing, but man, I just, I keep chasing this thing. I keep chasing this dollar. You, you gave me this ability to make money and, I, and I, just, I get wrapped up in it and I get caught up in this thing of mammon. If that's you today, then maybe you just need to sit down with your finances and say, okay, how much is enough? How much is enough? And you may just need to say, okay, God, this is what I need. Anything above that's yours. And I'm not talking about your tithe. I'm talking about anything above that. That may be you today. But some of you are wrestling this morning. Listen, you don't have to wrestle. Because those who have given their life to Jesus are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. The old man is dead. Say that with me this morning. Say the old man's dead. dead. Some of you say it right. You got to say it. The old man's dead. The new man has come. Let's pray. I just want you to open your hands up towards heaven. Father, I come to you right now, Lord. Lord, I speak on behalf of these people. And I say to the spirit of mammon, leave. Mammon, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, I ask you to come and rest upon the people's money and upon their lives. 
I say to everyone here, you don't have to make those old decisions. You can make new ones. New decisions, Lord. I bless everybody in here this morning with new decisions. New decisions. New decisions to trust you. I thank you, Lord, that people are going to step out today. I thank you that chains are broken. That bind the binders and the bondages are broken. They're gone, Lord. People are set free today, Lord. Free indeed because you set them free. You set them free with the truth of your word, Lord. The truth of the gospel and the testimony of men. You set them free today, Lord. Lord, help us to live free and to stay free. Help me, Lord. When mammon comes and tries to rest upon my life and I'm going to speak to it and say, go. Lord, I want your spirit on my life in a mighty way. Amen. Listen, if that's you and you're struggling with something, you need prayer today. Listen, I just, I'm, I'm going to stay here. Okay, I'm not going to go greet everybody out there. My wife and I will be here. and The rest of you, you, you can leave. But if, if you need prayer for something today, you say, Pastor, I need some help. I just ask you to come forward.